Welcome to the School of Risk podcast, my friend Greg. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming to do this. And um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I know um, what you do is quite interesting and you do have some insights you want to share with us today and listeners. You know, but let's start, let's start by getting to know you. Let's know, let listeners get to know who you are. Tell us who you are, what you do, and where you're based. You know, we met a few years ago in Dubai. So you go ahead and let's let's get to know who you are. Thank you very much, Isabel. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And um, it's really been a, a, an interesting journey uh, uh, to the data center world. You know, I started my career uh, in New York. Uh, as part of an engineering company. Um, at the time, we weren't designing data centers. Um, they were called server rooms and all the financial, <laughs> yes. and all the financial institutions. Th those were the people that were yes. spending a lot of money on this, these uh, server rooms. And so uh, I started my career there as an intern. And 20 years later, I moved to Dubai. I, uh, it started running a region, sitting on the operations committee for the firm. and But throughout those uh, 20 years of being in the data center industry, um, it was always about designing to the client's needs, making sure that reliability and uptime, because these clients, whether they were financial institutions or later on the technology companies, they all had a need to make sure that their equipment was operating 24 by seven, 365 days a year. And we had to design it to make sure that it attained that. And so that's been my, my background. I moved to uh, this region, to Dubai, um, 10, almost 11 years ago uh, to open up an office. But it really turned out I was opening up a new company and I had to learn the whole aspects of uh, what does it take to keep the lights on, to sign the checks for the people, for the cleaners. In the US, I always had corporate to do that for me. But in this part of the world, I had to learn how to do it all uh, under, under, under this, you know, one roof. But the real focus of me moving here to this region is that we saw an opportunity at the time to bring the expertise and knowledge base of building and designing data centers uh, to this part of the world, to the Middle East, and to the greater Middle East and Africa um, um, market. And the need was big, and it still is. And this is the, the interesting thing, is that the need for technology, for data centers, for digitization of, of, of systems is tremendous. And over the last, I would say, two years with COVID, that need has been exposed and, and the growth in this part of the world is just tremendous. We are probably in one of the fastest grow, growing regions for data centers um, in the world. In, really? In the world, in wow, the world. That is incredible. And that's, that speaks, that's lots of opportunities, you know, and, um, you know, obviously with data centers comes, you know, other services that go with it. You know, so if that need is massive as it sounds, you know, it is. I'm familiar with a lot of the growth in the in that region. You know, there's Dubai, there's Saudi Arabia, and there's all these crazy, crazy projects, mega projects, I call them, that um, they are, you know, uh, they're putting out there. And we need these data centers to service some of the infrastructures and applications that, you know, needs to run off these sites. Just for the, for the purpose of our listeners, Let's roll back a little bit to the basics. What are data centers and why should we be interested in how data centers, I mean, I know the answer to this, but why should we be interested in how data centers affects us and what we do? Excellent, that's an excellent question. I mean, if you think about it, um, data centers, to put it um, in, a, in a simplistic way, data centers, are basically massive warehouses that store um, um, IT equipment that services everything that we do in this modern world. If I want to commute, if I want to use Facebook or Instagram or TikTok like the kids do now, 
<laughs> I need a data center. If I want to use WhatsApp to send messages or to make a phone call, I need a data center. If I need to communicate with my bank to do online transactions, I need a data center. I need to, I want to use crypto. I want to mine crypto. Well, that's done inside of a data center. So the data center is basically at the basic level is, is where um, processing, storage, um, and mining of, of, of uh, uh, assets, data assets are kept and housed. And, and so it's like uh, what we typically compare it to, we would say, you know, before you start building a city, you need to build the roads. Data centers form that road. It's the basic um, uh, infrastructure that's needed for this uh, world of technology that we live in today. So it, it's in the background. No one knows about it and no one thinks about it except for people like myself or th those that are in the industry. And we realized that without it, and during COVID, it really showed, without the right infrastructure, we couldn't have worked from home. We couldn't have been on Zoom calls, communicating with our friends and family members. And so it, it is really, it, it, it's a, it has become a utility, like you get water, you get power, well, now you have data center services or cloud services uh, uh, needed for, for what we do. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You know, I mean, you, you, you made something that sounded so complex, so simplistic. And really, without data centers, none of the applications we use today would operate. It, it's as simple as that. That is, that is so true. And this is, this is where the opportunity is. Because now, if I want to uh, do more of this, if I want to, you know, uh, we're talking about driverless cars, we're talking about uh, uh, Internet of Things, we're talking yeah. about 5G. Well, at the, at the core of all of those things are data centers in the background doing their work and providing the services that, uh, that these systems ride on to be able to deliver whatever it is that uh, these companies are delivering to, to, to the end users and to the customers like you and I. And so, and so that's why it's so important uh, that in the developing world, whether we're talking about Africa, which is like the last bastion of uh, expansion yes. uh, for, for, for this type of technology, um, it's needed. Uh, and, and if... Um, and if, we, and if uh, these countries and this uh, region wants to, if they want to leapfrog um, to the next stage of development, they need these data centers. Data centers, absolutely. I'm glad you brought up the, you know, brought up Africa in this, in, in this, in this subject because, um, you know, I've had the opportunity of, um, you know, being on some projects in, in Africa, you know, with the banks and some government establishments. And it, Africa is still way behind. And a lot, of, some, a lot of the times what they try to do is, you know, outsource services. And there's a lot of complication when it comes to outsourcing services. If you think about the geographical region and the cultural difference, you know, how do you bridge that when, you know, we got Africa and then maybe outsourcing to India or wherever, you know, it, it's difficult, you know, but I know some of the telecoms companies, you know, uh, the big telecom companies in, in, in Africa, in Nigeria specifically, you know, are beginning to have small, you know, data, what, I don't know if I call them data centers or server rooms, you know, and their own operating centers where they can manage their systems, but still the technology is not there how do, what do they need to do? Or what do we need to do? How do we get Africa to the same level as the Middle East and the West, you know, so that they can operate efficiently and, you know, deliver more services and reduce costs to the consumers because consumers are paying double, triple the price of some of the things that we, you know, you know. Yeah, are, yeah, yeah. The, the, this is the, uh, again, this is where the opportunity resides. Um, 
in most of, in a lot of the countries across Africa right now, the same for the Middle East, most have passed uh, data sovereignty laws where it says something to the effect, if data of national importance needs to be stored in country. But in, yeah. So I can no longer have uh, health data being stored in another country or banking data being stored in another country, even if uh, there are international and global banks working within the borders, they need to store that data in country. And that makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so, so now you have to say, okay, do I have the infrastructure to be able to house and service this growth of data that needs to be in country? And then you say, okay, well, I want to provide other services. I want to digitize my bank. I want to digitize healthcare. I want to provide 5G. Well, if you want to do those things, you need to have the right infrastructure in country within your borders to be able to provide, uh, uh, again, that, that basic layer, that fundamental core layer that's required. Yes. So that is driving the need for data centers across Africa, from Southern Africa to, to, to North Africa, East and West, across Africa, we're seeing major commitments um, from major companies, billions of dollars worth of commitments of projects across Africa. Um, there was a study that was done um, a couple of years ago, and they saw a shortfall on the need of data centers across Africa, the estimated shortfall was about 1,000 megawatts of capacity or one gigawatt of capacity. Shortfall that needs to be built to say, okay, now we're at a le level playing field across Africa. Okay, now, now let's see, some people may not understand the, the, the quantity we're talking about here. How would you describe that in say, size of, of you may be using the football field to you know put that so, into so the way the way i can compare it if i take if i take one megawatt right if i said take one megawatt that could feed anywhere from depending on the city we're talking about 500 homes okay now we need 1000 megawatts capacity so oh, these this this is like uh, building small cities across Africa of just pure data centers that will warehouse and keep this IT infrastructure that can then service and provide the services, whether it's for storage of, of data of national importance, whether it's to provide 5G services, whether it's to provide all these other digitization um, 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 means and methods to help certain industries. And so if we, if we look at it that way, um, the growth, the potential growth of data centers in Africa is tremendous. So that means what? That means opportunities for new students. That means opportunities for those looking to make potentially a mid-career shift. That means opportunities to train homegrown engineers, technicians within those countries to be able to service these, these data centers. That's huge. So, massive industry, massive industry. And, and the thing about it, most people know nothing about this opportunity that exists right in their backyard, right? Okay, so how... Because, okay, I'm thinking about Nigeria because I'm, I'm, I'm of Nigerian descent and I, I know that there are a number, there are lots of, um, you mentioned students, there are lots of technology students, but when by the time they graduate, these opportunities are not there. So that knowledge is wasted. You know? Yeah, yeah. What, what I mean, done now, because it's all about, so the opportunity is there and there's no need, I mean, I don't think there's any need to go outside to try or to increase the cost of, um, you know, services or products and all that stuff when the opportunity is there. What's holding, when I say private entities or government entities from 
capitalizing on this opportunity and making things a lot better and easier. You know, um, part of it has been, if we're honest, capital. These data centers require massive amount of capital to, to build. Um, the, the good news is that um, I think there are a lot of private entities as well as governmental entities. The governments can set the frameworks to uh, uh, open the door for these investments to come in. The mm -hmm. private entities can take advantage and, and, and whether it's foreign direct investment within the country or even some homegrown um, capital that can invest in, in building these data centers. Um, we're already seeing this happen. Um, there was an announcement, I think, earlier this year of uh, Equinix buying uh, a, a major homegrown data center group in, uh, in Nigeria. Mm. And so you have an international, so homegrown uh, um, uh, data center provider and said, okay, yeah. we will invest in you. We will and 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 we will buy you and invest in you to grow and and bringing that knowledge base from outside as well. Um, there are other uh, Nigeria and South Africa are probably ahead of the game um, than than most in Africa, but I see pockets all across, whether it's in in East Africa, in Kenya, in um, in Uganda, in Tanzania. Um, in West Africa, as I mentioned, Nigeria, uh, yeah. Ghana, um, in uh, um, Cote d'Ivoire, uh, South Africa, of course, but across the continent as well, um, whether we're talking about Egypt or Morocco or Tunisia, they all have the similar need, some more so than, the, than others, but, but the investment dollars are starting to trickle and make their way across the continent. And this is where the opportunity exists for those in country to, 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 to be part of it. And also for people like myself and, and others who yes. have an interest in working on the continent to be able to bring expertise and knowledge base so that uh, those investment dollars are going to the right places. And, and, and the investors, of course, are seeing the return on their on their investment, which is uh, which is a key key thing. Absolutely! Wow, that's it. The, the opportunity is endless. And what what's the way forward now to you know um, to start to implement some of these ideas? You know, whether it's in Africa or in the Middle East. I mean, the Middle East are ahead of the game. You know, right now with a lot of what's going on. You know, what's the way forward? You know, you mentioned you mentioned um, you know those um. Uh, what do they call it? Um, data sovereignty laws that pre pre prevents, um, you know, data from leaving the country. You know, being stored somewhere else. In the UK, EU, here we have the GDPR laws. You know, which obviously makes sense. So it's about it's not bypassing, but making sure that we have the infrastructure to maintain our data in Africa, you know, or Middle East, with the right infrastructures. What's the, how, what's the way forward now to start to actualize this? Because, you know, yes, we can see some of the activities that taking place with regards to Equinox being bought, you know, um, but what can be done now to take things forward? Well, it, it, it's, it, it's interesting. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of um, an overview of what I'm seeing currently in the market, whether it's in the Middle East and then branching out to Africa. In the Middle East right now, the UAE, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, uh, the growth of data centers. Every other week for the last two years, it seems like there was a new player announcing a new uh, data center campus here. And, and uh, everyone's talking 20, 30 megawatt capacities per, per site. Uh, that growth and those investments are being made. A lot of some of those projects are being built and moving forward. Um, in Saudi, um, mega projects have been announced, um, different entities, billions of dollars worth of data centers need to be built in, in Saudi, yes. similar to Kuwait, Qatar, and, and, and the rest. As you start moving into 
into Africa, North Africa, um, whether we're talking Morocco and Egypt and the likes Tunisia, there's a need for data centers and investments are starting to be made. And we hear these announcements where it's not just, there are some homegrown companies, let's say to the continent, and then you have the international firms because they all are looking for ways to expand and to grow their base. What, and, what, and what, for these international firms, what sort of firms are we talking about? Are we talking about, you know- We're uh, talking about American uh, firms. Yeah. We're talking about European firms. We're talking about some of the uh, Asian um, firms as well, making investments and saying, we will build a hub in South Africa, or we will build a hub in, in East Africa, et cetera. And so it's not just words, but those words are now being translated into hard commitments, uh, capital commitments on the ground um, where um, uh, data centers are being master planned and being constructed. Behind these uh, 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 investments, now who are the clients yes. that are going to utilize yes. uh, these investments? Well, it's the big cloud service providers, the ones that we call the hyperscalers, the uh -huh. Amazons, the Googles, the Microsofts uh, of the world, the, the Alibabas yeah. of the world that are utilizing this massive investment um, that, that is being built. I mean, think of it this way. If I want to go into a new country and, and it's easier for me to lease uh, the infrastructure than for me to go and try and build it myself. So yes. let someone else take the, the uh, construction risk. Let someone else take the capital risk of building a data center. And then now I can come in on the back end and say, okay, I need X megawatt capacity and I'll lease it from you on a, on a, on a monthly rate. And so it makes sense for these cloud, these hyperscalers to utilize these companies. And so if they already have a relationship with these international firms, let's say out of the US, out of Europe or out of uh, 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 Asia, then it's, a, it's, it's an easier uh, thing for them to make a commitment, let's say to a Nigeria or to a South Africa or to a Kenya, knowing that, hey, these firms are building to my standards or to international standards that yeah. we can that we can uh, live with, and then we will just come in and lease lease from them. We already know them from the West, uh, etc. So, so, so we're seeing, and I'm seeing these commitments are being made, projects are being built, and now once the projects are built, um, the clients are committed. There's still a major risk that exists within that whole environment. Absolutely. One of one of the risks that I wanted to I want to just you know highlight is that of um, supply chain risk, and uh, you know, and the reason I say this is because um, I know that you know consumers in Africa, Nigeria, sometimes want to. You mentioned Amazon. I will use Amazon as an example. They've seen an item. They've they've seen a product on um, on Amazon, and they want to order it. But then you hear Amazon doesn't deliver directly to Nigeria or some other company don't provide these services to Nigeria because number one, they haven't got a hub, they haven't got a presence. So I see that's an ice cream van. I don't know if you can hear that. No, ice cream. <laughs> Reminds me of my youth. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting warmer now. It's you know, high temperatures now. That's why ice cream vans are going around. You know, so... Um, so there is a there is a direct there is a direct correlationship between um, data centers, distribution hubs, or logistics centers, and all that stuff. You know, in order to because it's all about providing services and products to the end users. Without the end users, these hubs would not exist. So, how do we start to, you know, bring all this together to fulfill? the services or to fulfill the needs where there are gaps now when it comes to um, products and services that many products that um, consumers need in relation to data centers, you know, um, logistic or supply chain hubs and getting products to consumers. 
th this is uh so i mean there are a few buckets that i could put the the various risk in and yeah uh, and and uh, since you started on the supply chain uh l let's start there supply chain in terms of developing and building these data centers there's a major risk i mean globally right now supply yes. chain is 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 out of whack whether whether we're talking about coming from china or coming from yeah. eastern europe yes. it, it, we have issues all over yes and 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 not only that because of these data centers are so equipment heavy mm -hmm. meaning transformers and generators and chillers etc they use a lot of commodity and so there's a uh, the if there's volatility in the commodities market it will reflect in not only the costs of these equipment that i would buy from the manufacturers but also the timing in which it takes to build uh uh, uh this equipment in the in in the factories yeah right now that's a major risk not just to africa but to the data center oh, yeah. globally so so that's a risk that the data center providers those pe those firms making the the the, the capital investments they uh, have teams just dedicated to figuring out how to minimize and reduce um or manage some of that risk mm -hmm. you know in in terms of supply chain so i mentioned that you know you build the data center uh, you even have a client to lease it to. There's still another major risk, and the major risk is people. It, it is people. Yes, I was going to touch on that. It, it, it's it's people, and there's also the risk of connectivity. You know, so when I say connectivity, we're talking about um, you know, telecoms. You know, how do you networks and stuff? You know, yes, piping up networks and things like that, because um. You know, yes, there is, you know, I mean, without, you, you, you can't even get broadband in some places or that kind of um, connectivity and it's so expensive and that adds to cost. Yes, yes. So, so, so you mentioned two things that the, if we look at connectivity, there are a number of undersea cable projects yeah. right now going on that will connect across Africa, out to the Middle East, out to Asia, out to Europe, et cetera. So over the next, in the upcoming years, we see that these undersea cable projects will do a lot to improve at least the external connectivity. Now the internal to countries in terms of, uh, uh, um, of uh, running fibers, that's still a major issue. And as that gets uh, um, potentially some uh, um, resolved, it, will, it can only improve the services that these cloud ser service providers, or the data center providers are providing to the local market. So there's the undersea cables, a few projects underway right now. Yes. And then the internal to the country distribution networks of, of fiber across uh, um, the boundaries of the country. So I think if those two things happen. Yeah, I think Etisalat is, um, I remember, I think a few years ago, Etisalat were looking at, I don't know where they've gone with that project. You know, they were, you know, um, getting some undersea, they had some undersea projects, other undersea um, connectivity projects going on. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's been completed or where that's at now, but I know there, they have Nigeria. Yeah, I think there's probably three or four major projects under sea cable projects uh, across Africa that I think will, will, will um, uh, again, taking on looking at what the need from these uh, cloud service providers to be able to connect, um, have uh, external connectivity, which I think that um, that will um, help solve some of the connectivity problems. Now we talked about people. People risk, yes. The the risk with people. Well, if I well, build, yeah. What's the biggest? Risk? <laughs> what would you say is the biggest risk? If I build a campus, twenty four megawatts of data centers, who's going to run and operate it? Yeah. Who's going to service 
uh, this equipment that I have spent now millions of dollars. Yes. Who's going to run it? And, and, and in a way, the good news is this is not just an issue to Africa. Yes. Or to the Middle East. This is an issue. It's a global issue in the data center um, 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 industry. That yeah. we have a we have a need for talent. Yes, and and there again lies an opportunity. Education, education to train. Yeah, to train and to and even even um, people that may already be in the in in the market that maybe had a uh, that had a um, degree in something else. Yes doing a mid-career shift and 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 but they have the aptitude to learn and to grow that can be trained to work in this industry uh, i'll give you an example last week yeah. last week we visited a maritime college a maritime yeah. university and one of the professors was telling us that they train let's say 500 students a year but they're uh, they can't find enough jobs for these wow. students. And these students learn how to work on ships, whether they're uh, electrical engineers or mechanical engineers, or they, they learn all the heavy equipment that is, uh, that's applicable to the data center uh, on field. Yes. I told this professor, we should tie this university to the data center um, marketplace because we have a need and you have a supply. You're supplying engineers to a market where you, uh, these students can't find ships to work on. Yes. Um, I could probably find 10 data centers that would hire them um, tomorrow because they have the right background, the right training. Yes. Now, if you translate that into the Middle East, and into Africa. Look, not everyone has to be an engineer. Nope. We need technicians as well. Yes. We need good service technicians that understand um, some of this equipment that can do basic maintenance on some of this equipment. Can I train a group of students uh, in the Middle East or in Africa to be able to do this? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. And, and that would create, as a matter of fact, it's better if, I, if, I, um, if I'm able to fulfill this need within the local marketplace, because now I know I have a, I have a talent pool that I've, that I've uh, developed that's not going to, after four or five years, said, you know, I want to go home. They're already home. Yes. They, so <laughs> they're, they're already home. We that risk again. <laughs> Then you 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 avoid the um so because sometimes what people do is they go higher from overseas you know and that and that piles on costs so I mean for I'm I'm using Nigeria as an example because I know that the people are ready they're willing so it's a case of utilizing the people on ground and, and I mentioned education earlier on we probably need to have some kind of education center around this you know to help train people and get them ready to operate these data centers. And the more we have people who are ready, and I think that's gonna really drive the market. And when it drives that market, drive that sector, then that opportunity we, we were talking about earlier on, you know, starts to become, you know, starts to widen and, you know, um, companies start to come in and investment starts to flow. Absolutely, absolutely. And, 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 the, and the most interesting thing is that at every level, whether as the technician, the engineers, the senior engineers, the project managers, both uh, uh, what we call MEP engineers and IT engineers. So uh, it, it's a, a broad sector of, uh, of people, the management layer, uh, you know, managing people, managing the business. So it, it's a broad sector across um, many different um, 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 areas where homegrown talent is needed. And, and I know I've, I've, I've traveled, I've had the opportunity to travel across a multitude of countries across Africa and here in the Middle East. There is homegrown talent everywhere. Absolutely. It, it, it exists. Absolutely. We just have to be able to um, 
um, give them the right uh, training, uh, put them in the right uh, um, 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 uh, environment yes. to be able to grow. Uh, you know, I'll tell you my, uh, my story. I said I started my career as an intern, mm-hmm. right? I started my career as an intern. I had one project in Rockefeller Center where myself and this other young engineer, we were given this project. It was a two-week project at the C4 level, like so, so the fourth basement level of, uh, of one of the buildings in Rockefeller Center. And it just happened yeah. to be that that floor was the floor that the, uh, uh, the, the trucks were backing up and, and unloading, the loading dock was it. So we probably had some, um, um, uh, some carbon the, uh, monoxide, you know, poisoning or something during our little internship, but, but we survived. Yes, you did. <laughs> but, but at the end of that project, because we delivered for the chief engineer of that building, he was able to call the office and he told my ex-boss at the time, he said, this kid is good, hire him. And that was the start of my career. Wow. And that was the start of my career, 20 years at this firm. And from an intern to a vice president and principal, managing director, running a region. But it started with that small internship, that small project. But then I was put in the right environment that it was able to nurture me over the years to be able to uh, go on uh, managing you know, a uh, million dollars worth of uh, data center projects. But it started at, 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 the tel- at the very beginning as an internship. And, and, and this is what I see is, is, is available to a lot of students, to a lot of motivated um, um, people um, across the Middle East and Africa. Absolutely. You know, it's great that you had that background because um, you, you've taken that and now you have your own company, you know, tell us a little bit about your company and what it does. Sure, sure. Um, So I run a company called X2X Group. We are a technology and data center um, um, advisory firm. So we start very early on from the uh, concept and strategy side with clients who say, I have a need for digitization. I have a need for data centers but I don't know where to start. And we come in and help them to uh, um, from uh, assess their needs, figure out how best to proceed in a, in a, in a staged manner, um, whether it's their, their uh, digitize, digitizing um, their operations that often leads to having a data center. So I can start here. We're talking about, I just want to, uh, digitize my processes, but we always end up, I need a data center as part of this. Wow. And, so, and so being able to, to talk both um, IT and infrastructure, uh, we can really help the clients to strategize and to see really what are their needs and to customize uh, 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 and tailor uh, a response um, um, for them. So that's, that's on one end. So that's the X2X group. Yes. And, and uh, I also have a startup, a data center startup with two other co-founders and uh, called uh, GoTech RDC. And we have master plan um, a, a data center campus here in Dubai. Um, and we are looking to grow that not just to Dubai, but also potentially in, in other markets across the, the GCC and um, potentially Africa as well, um, where we can bring that expertise to, to the local market. That's incredible. And, you know, it, it, what you've, you pretty much have demonstrated, you know, what I like to call people who are active risk takers. You started from an intern 20 years on, you got your company, you got this or that, you know, um, tech company startup, you know, and, and this is really remarkable because one thing I like to do is to say to people that you can do whatever you put your mind into, 
you know, you can go, get into a career, you can rise in that career, you can be the best that you can. And you can also take the ideas you have and build something for yourself. And you have demonstrated this because I think, you know, we need to be able to help people in some of these regions, for example, Africa, which is usually referred to as a developing nation to rise up because I, I mean, I like to say, if one person succeeds, not everyone succeeds, but if everyone succeeds, we all succeed together, you know? So what, how do we now start to, and I know you're beginning to do this now with the new startup, but we want to now make this more global or increase this opportunity for others. What do we need to do to take our expertise to help people in these developing nations like Africa we're talking about here. We've got, we've got, we've got data center. We've seen that there is a huge opportunity you know, out there. And um, I'll talk to you offline about something I'm, you know, that came to my mind you know, on, uh, during this conversation. But we want to actualize these things. What, what, what can we have to do to you know, make this happen? Yeah, yeah. What is the expression? Uh, rising tides lifts all shifts. Is that it? Yes. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a firm believer in collaboration. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer in 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 working with others. Look, I I I I don't know everything, but I have a good network that I know if I need something, I can collaborate with the right people to be able to deliver. Absolutely. Um, whether it's a service or product. To, to an end user customer. And so it's all about, I mean, the last four or five years, I have been traveling across the continent of Africa and the Middle East uh, to, to uh, establish relationships. Have you done Nigeria yet? I, I have, I went to Lagos and oh, went to Lagos. I have never, I've never felt more alive than uh, when we were in Lagos. Lagos. Talking about that place, man. <laughs> nah, Lagos is a, it's got a buzz. It's got a real good buzz, you know. You know, you, you should visit in the capital Abuja. I, I tend to I spend a lot of time in the capital when I'm in Nigeria. But Lagos, yes, it's got a buzz. It, it has a buzz. You know, there are certain cities in the world, whether it's New York or Dubai or Lagos, they they have a little they have an energy to the city that when you're when you're there, you feel it. Yes. And so, and so it, it really has been about establishing relationships so that um, the local partners on the ground know the services and the products that we can provide. And when there's a need, we can collaborate together. They understand the local market better than I do. Absolutely, yes. And I have expertise they don't have, but yeah. together we can deliver um, um, in that local market. And so uh, I'm all about collaboration with the right people that are of similar uh, uh, um, mindset, mindset that, that sees things the same way or, or in, a, in a similar way so that we can work together to deliver. Deliver value because it's, you know, some people, yeah, it's all about delivering value at the end of the day. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I'm happy to say that uh, over the years, we've uh, been able to collaborate on projects in, in, in Zambia, in, uh, in, in Tanzania, in, in Morocco, in South Africa, in Djibouti. So we've been able to collaborate with different people to be able to deliver projects um, and work on projects across the continent and really in a collaborative manner and bring the value. You know, I have, a, a, you know, 25, almost 26 years now of knowledge base in this industry. And so if I'm able to bring that to the table, if I'm able to bring that to a country, um, it's, it's, that's what I've been doing in the, in the recent past. And, and I'm looking forward to do even more of that. Uh, in the future, because I think now that we seem to be getting at a point where uh, COVID is not a pandemic, it's endemic, we will have to learn to live with it like we do with absolutely. yellow fever and the rest. Blue, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, so we, it's, it's, a, it's about getting back on the road and, and really um, collaborate, 
collaborating with the local partners to be able to see the need, to tailor a solution for that need, and to be able to deliver it on the ground. Fantastic, absolutely. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been fascinating. And I know there's so much going on in this space. And um, we're not going to be able to fill this space or fill the whole day, you know, um, what's really happening. So um, I'm really, really, you know, glad that you've come here to share your knowledge, your insight. What there are a lot of things you talked about that I didn't even know myself. You know, so it's really you know, great that you've come to, you know, highlight the need, the opportunity that exists, you know, and if, if, if we can, you know, um, exploit these opportunities and make them a reality and add value to the lives of people who are on ground in Africa and the Middle East, you know, we, we, we help feed people and give them, you know, purpose in their life or help them achieve their own purpose. Absolutely. Um, thank you very much for inviting me to be on the on the podcast. And uh, I think it, there's uh, having this type of dialogue, this type of conversation, is 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 necessary Absolutely. to to be able to highlight the opportunities that exist out there to to the to to the greater masses. Because I think if people knew, if they knew the opportunities that exist in their own backyard they would focus a lot more on trying to build something in country as opposed to always wanting to travel out abroad yes. to be able to find their their careers or, or whatever yeah. they're dreaming of. Yeah. I, I think a lot of that opportunity exists in country, it does. But, but it just has to be framed in the right way to be able to get the, the, the local population to see it, to believe it, and to be a part of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, the, the future is, um, you know, it's, it's only going to get better, you know, with, um, with, with these opportunities being exploited. Uh, so if people want to get in touch with you to obviously reach out to you in terms of, you know, what you do, what, how can they find you? The best way to find me is on LinkedIn, Greg Jasmine on LinkedIn, um, or they can even reach out to me on Twitter, um, Greg Jasmine. I keep it simple. Um, they'll uh, they'll find just put up put that name on uh, Google and uh, they'll find me on LinkedIn or Twitter and they can reach out to me. Uh, my DMs are open and I'm very responsive to those that reach out to me. That's incredible because um, sometimes people don't reach out when you DM them, but I like that. I'm active as well. I mean, I respond to you know um, people when they DM me, so I think and, it's really keep that opportunity that you know communication window open. Absolutely. And I forgot to mention the website, x2xgroup.com. Fantastic. The last question is a superhero question I ask everyone. <laughs> okay. Who would you say is a superhero to you in relation to the impact they've had on your life and why? Uh, I wasn't one of that question. You know who, who I, I really consider to be a superhero to me um and this might sound a little bit uh um you know uh, uh corny but um for my parents man my parents my you mom and dad say that. you are the first to stay the parents on this show my mom and dad took it upon themselves uh to leave their home country as immigrants to the u.s and to start a new life. Wow. And, um, and somehow they were able to raise three kids with the meager salaries they had and three kids that went to school and one is, uh, went for finance, the other for engineering and art and, and, and the third for, for finance. I'm the, I'm the only non-finance guy in my, in my family. The only but, tech guy. <laughs> but but they were able to, to, to make it work. And, and now having kids of my own, I see, and I ask myself, how did they do it? Um, but, but yeah, they, they are definitely, and they taught us, uh, you know, the values that, 
still live with us till this day and we that guide us in what we do so yeah i have to say my they're they're my superheroes oh that's amazing i love that you were the first person to you know to you know mention their parents as superheroes in this question and uh, what country did they come from before they moved to the u.s a little a little island in the caribbean called haiti haiti oh wow the first independent black nation in the world in the world, wow, that's amazing. Do you go back to Haiti? Have you visited at any point? You know, uh, in 2014, my wife, three kids, we went down there and there was something about the place we felt home. Wow. Um, the kids loved it. Your wife Haitian as well? Yes, yeah, she is. She, she's Haitian as well, it was her first time going back in 30 some odd years and and to be able to go back um again saw massive opportunities everywhere i went unfortunately things are not always uh uh the best down there but yeah. the people are resilient and they are proud of 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 who they are and uh and and they're hard workers and that's something that we just really loved and appreciate about uh about haiti and uh maybe one day we'll, i'll have an opportunity to uh do a project there as well that would be amazing that would be amazing greg this has been fascinating you know from meeting at the seminar in dubai in 2019 and here we are today you know it just shows that um like you talked about earlier when you meet the right people and you know you form some kind of a connection you know and that that develops into something else and here we are talking about you know um what you do talking about data centers and how we can influence the world positively so i really do appreciate the time thank you so much and uh we will be talking absolutely thank, thank you, you so much. thank you so much thank you for listening to this episode with greg jasmine i bet you didn't know some of the things you learned today on this episode about data centers and how it affects your everyday life through some of the basic infrastructures you use I am committed to bringing you content like this so you can stay informed with the right information that can make a positive impact in your life and those of your loved ones. Please leave us a message using the link in the show bio to let us know what you love most about this episode. Also, don't forget to check out our previous shows that is full of so much value. You don't want to miss out on that information that we've been putting out for the last three months now. New shows drop every week and don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button to be notified when they are released. I am your host, your risk champ, Chisman Legudo here on the School of Risk podcast. Today's risk message is this. I urge you to carry out risk analysis on yourself by examining yourself regularly. Ask yourself, what are the things that are for or against me? When you communicate with yourself, in this manner, every cell in your body receives the information you transmit through that exercise and could help you be a better version of yourself. Thank you.